Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. The following message is part of our series called Different But Same, where we are looking at our created identity, discovering our purpose and our calling. We hope you enjoy this message. Heavenly Father, we just stand humbly and declare that you are our Father. Lord God, I pray that over the next 30 minutes that the words that are uttered from my mouth are words that you need to implant into somebody. Lord God, I pray that right across this building there is life-changing moments are already happening. That there there is a move that is happening inside of people. It's not of man, but it is of You, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray that that, that, that as that presence just soaks with You, that as the words are are, are spoken out, that as the Scriptures are studied, that, that for each person, your hearts are opened. Lord God, I thank You that Your love was so great for us. Some would call it reckless in that You would send Your own Son to die on the cross in order that our brokenness, that our, our, our sins could be taken. I thank You that Your plan for life was so great that Your Son spent three days wrestling, holding that weight. And then He rose victorious in order that we can today in freedom declare Your Name. Thank You, Lord God. Amen. 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 Hey, why don't you all take a seat? Thank you, worship team. Fantastic. Thank you, Aiden. I must say, it's, um, it's kind of good that we have 80 kids out in our uh, C3 Kids, because I'm not sure where we would fit them in here. Can I encourage you with this? For many of us who come in here today, unless that you are a parent of, uh, what did you call them? Little humbuggers or something, rather? Tiddlywinkers. Junior burgers. That's kind of weird. That's just kind of weird. But uh, if you, um, unless you're a parent with, uh, with these little tiddlywink junior burger type things, you may not understand what goes on in our C3 kids. It is not, and I repeat this, a babysitting service. Those children out there are getting fed the word of God. They are, we have leaders out there who are in prayer and are committed to teaching the Word of God to those kids. And we do it in fun ways. They use kind of pool noodles and weird things and all of that sort of stuff. But I thank God for our C3 Kids leaders out there. Janet and Daniel head up that team. They're in the service here today because I make them come into our service every now and then. Hey, can you guys just stand up for a second?
Yeah. Take the applause, guys. Because, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well done. For anyone who's had one child and tried parenting, you know how hard it is. They do it with 80 every week. And you do a remarkable job. Thank you for what you're teaching into our children out there. It's awesome. Welcome to week two of Different But Same, a series, as Jono said, focusing on people, uh, and a series designed to, to help us understand ourselves a little bit better, because uh, I'm not sure about you, but I'm not sure that I understand myself that well. It's also going to be a series as we move through this, where we talk about remaining healthy and balanced while trying to navigate this thing called life. I get all sorts of feedback during the week. And this week, someone suggested that uh, we use an old Peanuts comic strip as our series tag. And uh, I must say, I really enjoy that one. (laughs) I'm sure there was a calling on his life to be a pastor. We love people, and each day we get frustrated by people, don't we? We love ourselves. The Bible tells us to, and sometimes we get frustrated by ourselves as well. Could have done that better. We've got a God who loved the creation, loved mankind, loved humanity so much. Before I get into uh, the passage of scripture that I want to wrestle with today, I'm just going to take up a few minutes to uh, follow up from what I preached on last week, which was a, uh, the opening of our, our series, and I called it People Matter. It's going to be up on the screen, but Genesis 2, 18 to 22. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Now, I am not one to say that God gets things wrong. But seriously, God, what were you doing when you asked man to name the animals? I mean, have you ever looked at a half a ton beast that is leathery and kind of looks awkward and has a thing on its nose and thought to yourself, all of a sudden, I'm going to call that a hippopotamus. (laughs) Exactly. We don't even know what we called it. (laughs) Can you put that first slide back up? I love mankind, but I hate people. (laughs) Seriously. This is a hard gig. (laughs) Verse 20. Man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the ribs and he brought her to the man. Firstly, the original translation of the word rib means side or flank. 
And I think that is a beautiful analogy in that man and woman don't stand, are not designed to stand one in front of the other, but designed to stand side by side. I kind of get a little bit frustrated. That as a society, we have collectively got the whole gender equality thing stuffed up. And sadly, I think we still have a long way to go. My take is this. On each day, God created and he stood back and he declared that what he made was good. Yet God also acknowledged that it was not good for man to be alone. That almost like there was a missing element to his masterpiece, so he set about making a helper, a companion, a friend who was just right for him. I live in a house of girls and Sam who are everything to me, including Sam. You know, the older they grow, the more I I appreciate our differences. But the part I love most is that they stretch me and they make me think in the areas that I'm not wired to think in. They see my my weaknesses, but instead of, of... kicking me in my weaknesses, they encourage me to use my weaknesses and make them my strengths. They see my flaws and they help me learn through them. They are without doubt my helpers. Why? Because they help me. And so to insinuate with what I've heard before that a helper is anything less is to give a discredit to God. It is to give a discredit to the genius of God who equipped us with different qualities, different skills, and different ways of doing things, but with the same purpose, which is to glorify and honour God. Different ways, same purpose. Enough on the social issues. Turn with me, but it's important, isn't it? It's really important. Because we live in this thing called society. Where, where each and every day we interact with people. And I would much prefer that we start focusing on, on glorifying and honouring God rather than trying to correct all the wrongs that are out there all the time. Turn with me to uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We went there last week. Jeremiah, coincidentally, hungered to also see injustices made, in the, in the, made right in the land of Judah. Uh, I want to reiterate um, Jono and Claire. Didn't Claire do a great job up here for the first time? Well done. Natural born service leader. Uh, That if you are new to church and it is a little different to what you're maybe used to or maybe you've never been to church before, um, I, I really want to encourage you to take the opportunity to speak to one of our leaders or to someone you trust. If you came with someone who is a regular in church, take the opportunity to ask them why we do things. I never want to be a church where we just presume that you know you're supposed to stand up and you can raise your hands if you want to and you don't have to do this and what are these things going around. You know, it is important that we are being authentic with people no matter where they're at and understanding people no matter where they're at. Every time I preach, I keep... At the start of my message, I I will make sure that I write at the top of my notes. My job is not to preach or to entertain, 
but to help promote you to pursue our God. To help you come into a presence of God. I actually get nervous every Sunday. I don't have much breakfast on a Sunday morning. And I actually get really nervous. Because there is a weight that comes with it, but it's actually a nice weight to carry. Because what I desire to see is that as we do this, whether it is Tony's service leading, and I know the preparation that each one of our worship leaders puts into doing this to ensure that each and every person have the opportunity to come into the presence of God. My message title today is The Greatest Question Ever Asked. The Greatest Question Ever Asked. And in preparing for this, I, uh, I came across a series that the BBC did about 10 years ago. And they based it on the 101 greatest questions of all time. And the concept was very easy. Listeners, and they, they, they tied it in with the, the Telegraph newspaper over there. Listeners and readers were able to submit their questions. And the idea was to get a panel of experts who would come in and answer these questions. I've got to tell you, some of the questions were quite outstanding. Where is the safest place to stand if caught in a thunderstorm? Why do identical twins have different fingerprints? Do men have cellulitis? <laughs> do plants die of old age? You ever thought on that one? There's people out there with far too much time on their hands, isn't there? <laughs> Does chewing gum really stay inside you for years if you swallow it? And of course... It wasn't number one, but in the questions was, does God exist? I'm not going to try and answer that one today. But what wasn't on the list, but what I would say ranks as the number one question for all pastors, is the question of what is my calling? What is my calling? Jeremiah 1, we're starting at verse 4, going through to verse 5. Verse 4, Jeremiah 1, verse 4. This is profound, people. The Lord gave me this message. Hang on a second. I'm sure I'm about to get a message dropped from God. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in my mother's womb. Yep, I've got about seven texts just come through. Thank you to everyone out there. I knew you before I formed you in my mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. You see, within these two simple verses of scripture, a young teenage boy from the city of Jerusalem has an exchange with God. And in that time, he is both anointed and appointed. We think that he was probably about 14 or 15 years old. But he gets at 14 or 15 years old, I was not that clever. I was still thinking about the question of whether if I swallowed my chewing gum, it would stay in me for the rest of my life. But at 14 or 15 years old, God speaks to Jeremiah and he says to him, the Lord says to him, I knew you before I formed you. I set you apart and I appointed you. So in, in, in two verses, we see three life lessons. Firstly, that God knows all. Secondly, that God can do all. 
And thirdly, that God has the authority to call and appoint whenever he chooses. But this is where it gets a little bit complicated. And this is why I have spent weeks wrestling with this, uh, this message. Thankfully, it was 30 degrees last night and the rest of you didn't sleep either, which is kind of nice. Because I was wrestling with this because on the other end of the exchange from God is us. On the other end of the exchange from God was Jeremiah. On the other end of the exchange of the call, on the other end is, is us. I played tennis as a junior. And uh, one of the things about tennis is that there is always a desire to serve. There's always a desire to be the one with the balls, bounce it a few times, and to be the one serving. Because you are in control. When you're serving, if you watch most professional tennis, if you're, if most people, if they win the toss to, to I was going to say bat first, to, to do whatever they need to do, you can actually choose to serve or to receive. You can choose to be the one who, who hits down a ball at 140 kilometres an hour, or you can be the one who chooses to receive. Most times, you'll find that people choose to serve because they want to be in control of the answer, uh, uh, in control of the, of the game. And this is where the problem is, right from the start, is that we want to be the one serving all the time. We don't want to be the one receiving on the other end of the line. We want to be the one saying, hey, God, I've won the toss. I've given you my life to you. Now let me serve each time. And when I'm talking serving, I'm not talking about serving in the house. I'm talking about I want to be the one in control. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? We don't really like being on the receiving end, especially when you play against someone that you don't know. I had heard a lot of rumours about John O'Hosford's tennis playing, mostly from John O'Hosford. I'd heard that this guy had what they call a thunderbolt serve. And so uh, we went down to Drew Point one time there. I pulled the uh, headband on. I was ready to go, did a bit of stretching. Reminded him that I'm 20 years older than him because that's always you get out of jail clause in case you lose. I told you at the start I'm 20 years older. And we, uh, we started just having a little bit of a hit going around there. And when you're having a little bit of a hit, you kind of play with each other. You don't send down a 140-kilometre thunderbolt, do you? You don't want to scare them off. Then comes that time. Time for a game. Time for a game. Jono, you serve first because I'm a nice guy. I'm the pastor here. You serve first, Jono. Boom. Straight past me. Yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't started yet, Jono. Let's do that one again. The point is, is that we want to be in control of the match. We want to be in control of the message that we give out. I am horrible on the phone. If you don't get a message back from me or if I don't answer the phone, it's not that I don't love you. If this is your first week in church here today, we do marriage counselling on Wednesday nights. The thing is, is that we want to deliver the message, but we don't like receiving the message. We don't like receiving it because it's inconvenient 
We don't know what the tone of the message coming down to us was, and we don't know what to say. Because we haven't initiated the serve. In 1980, a guy called Rick Warren opened a church in a place called Orange County in, uh, in California. He saw such a problem in his church, such an uncertainty of people trying to receive a message and understand what their purpose was, that he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. The thing he said about this, this book, by the way, has sold 60 million copies and was on New York bestsellers for 90 consecutive weeks. One of the things that he said that took me most about this is that this, the reason he read the book and the responses he's got, he got back are not age-specific, they're not gender-specific, they're not social class-specific. The reality is no matter who we are, where we were born, how much money we have in a bank account, how old we are or how young we are, we face the same challenge of what is my calling in life. It's almost a paradox in that we say that we desire a pathway laid out for us, but only if it fits our plans. At creation, we were not designed to place expectations on God. I said last week that, that when an inane object like a lump of clay or a blank canvas is in, is in uh, somebody's room, they don't all of a sudden start talking to, to the potter or to the painter and say, look, do you just mind, Mr. Potter, if you'd make me with a, uh, a nice rounded bottom and two handles because I'm going to look really good on somebody's dining room table. It's an inane object. It is, it is clay. God is the creator. He designs us. He can anoint and appoint us whenever he feels like it. There's a few, couple of points that I want to touch on. And it comes down to receiving our calling. And I was thinking of the phone on this one here because I really am bad at it. The first is this, is that age is no barrier. Age of your phone is no barrier. You can still receive a message. Whether you go back to iPhone 1, if there was such a thing, Go back to the Nokia, you could still receive a message. It might have looked differently, the sounds might have been a little bit different, it might have come up with big font, small font, whatever it was, but you could still receive a message. Going back to Jeremiah, it says this in verse 6 to 8. Have we got that one there, guys? Verse 6 to 8. But I said, hold it, Master God, look at me, I don't know anything, I'm only a boy. God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you. That's God's decree for us. God's decree is I will be right there looking after you. There are two challenges that face us when we're young. One is I call the pride factor and the other is what I call the pimple factor. It's important though. The pride factor is this, is there is a brashness and an arrogance that comes with youth. I'm not sure that as a 40-year-old guy, I really like what I was as a 20-year-old guy. I loved God. But I had a brashness 
about me that thought that the 40-year-olds at the time, and when you're 20, 40 is really old. But there was a brashness about me that thought to myself, you guys are just praying too long. We've just got to make this happen. You guys are taking too long. We've just got to make this happening. What do you mean you have to have a budget for these sort of things? Man, we just do this and we do it now. See, the thing is, is what I found is that those who were 40 at the time were cautious as where I was taking risk. Now, I'm not saying risk is wrong. But what I wanted to do is that I wanted to pay my dues, but I wanted to do it by jumping the queue in front of everybody else. The other is what I call the pimple factor. And the reason I call it this is because it's one of the greatest challenges of being young is that we live with massive insecurity. We desperately want to step out, but we don't because we don't want to be different. We don't want to step out in case we get it wrong. We don't want to step out because we don't want to be seen as blemished. Imagine if we step out in front of others and we go to hit a note and we get the wrong note. People will laugh at us. Can you imagine a young boy called David who had been heading up with some cheese and biscuits for his brothers up to the battle line? And he's anointed and he's appointed to stand in front of a giant and to win the war. But when he's in with Saul getting ready and he turns down the the armour, he actually says to him, well, to be honest, what happens if I miss? Have you ever thought about that? What happens if I miss? What happens if I have a shot but I miss? I want to encourage you, young. Step out into what God has for you. Do it with a respect for those who have gone before you. And understand what it said to Jeremiah is, I will be right beside you all the way. Second one is this, and this happens on phones all the time, is that you're over your limit. You're over your limit. One of the challenges working in the aeromedical space was what we called load limit, especially in extreme temperatures where we were overseas. The hotter it is, the less fuel you can physically carry. And so despite the situation you might be facing and the desire to do good for the patient you have, you're often faced with situations of load limits and therefore you had to limit your personal gear and equipment in order to help others. The thing is this, is that our personal ability can often become other people's liability. Like this. God... You can have those 30 minutes on a Thursday morning as long as they're between 8.20 and 8.50 because apart from that, I'm pretty busy, thanks. God, I want to thank you for going before me and anointing me in this new calling on this board. I'm going to shine your light in every meeting I've had. And by the way, I'm going to give up everything else I'm doing in going to church. It is difficult to hear from God when we are overloaded. And generally this comes because we all have physical limitations and we can't lift off. It is okay to go to God and say, God, I humbly come before you to help me understand what my capacity and my load limit is.
It's not okay, which I've done before, when we get to it and we have a breakdown and then we blame God and say it was all your fault. I was shining your light in that meeting, God. It's best to go to God like Jeremiah did and say, God, what do I do in this situation? He says, I'll be right there with you all the way. The opposite of that is that our perceived inability can become our liability. When I'm talking limitations, I'm not talking in a physical sense. I played one year of Premier League football in Sydney. I was in the big league and I was at the back. I physically was limited in ever going to make it. I made the squad and played one game. But this is very different to when we put limitations on what God can do in and through us. You see, we read how God led a shepherd, boy, a shepherd called Moses into a wilderness area far away from him, his normal paddocks. And when the angel of the Lord appeared in the middle of the bush, Moses got all worried and said, God, I can't speak. Moses had a stutter. Moses had a physical limitation, but what he did and what I admire about Moses is he put it before God and said, God, these are my physical limitations. Help me help others. The third one is this. Tone, you can come up. Third one is this. Is that we live in temporary credit on our phones. We live in temporary credit. And it's an okay thing to do. This morning as I got here for church, I saw Hector out the front with a broom sweeping the pathway. If I asked Hector 15 years ago, is your calling in life to be out the front of C3 Church sweeping the floor, uh, sweeping the, the wombat poo up in order that others could come in and not step on it, I'm pretty sure he would have said no. But what he did is he saw something in front of him that was temporary and needed doing and he stepped into that calling to do it. And because of him stepping into that calling to do it, no one had wombat poo on their shoes this morning. There is many things that we can do that are right in front of us all the time that might be a five-minute thing, a 10-minute thing. It might be a one-season thing. It might be on your heart that God is saying, I want to lead a connect group, but it's going to be a seasonal thing that you do. Zechariah was an old man when the angel came and said to him, you're going to father a child. I'm sure when he was 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, he went through times when he thought that calling has gone from my life. Yet when God sent his angels, he kind of doubted a little bit and ended up, couldn't speak for a while. But it may be that you're in a, in a latter part of your season of life. But God is saying to you, I've got a calling for you. Your life is not finished. There is a calling that is before you. And it might be something that you cried out for when you were 20 and you felt like it was gone. 
It might be something that you put away because it hurt too much. And then God says, in my time, I will anoint and appoint. The last one is this. Is that you can't receive the message because your screen is broken. For anyone who's ever had a broken screen before, it is highly annoying. And there's messages come down there and you kind of try and look around them. You try and look over it. You try and work out where it is, but there's cracks and the screen has shattered. And so the message is coming in, but you're not receiving it. We can be distracted by the brokenness in our lives. We can be distracted so much by the things that have broken us that although the message from God is delivered, we're never going to receive it. Businessmen and women, I pray for you regularly by name. Because I think it's very challenging what you do. And I thank God that you're out in the workplace shining the light. And there are so many distractions that will come for you. Financially, personnel-wise, trying to get the new contract, trying to get enough work, having too much work. And what ends up happening is those distractions become so great on us that we forget what we set out to do in the first place. I want to talk about physical healing. I've got an issue with my foot at the moment. And it's highly frustrating. Because I love going for a run. I love being injury free and feel like I can just do what I want to do. Yet the issue on my foot, every single time I get out of bed, I am reminded of it first. I've devoted my life, doesn't make me any better, it's just what I do, I've devoted my life. One of my principles that I do is that I get out of bed, I find my spot and I go and pray. And I am under no illusion that I am under a spiritual attack through pain in my foot. Because every time I do now, I straight away am thinking of the pain that is in my foot. And so for the first five minutes, I'm nearly cursing the pain that is in my foot and I'm forgetting about praying and thanking God for the health that He's given me. For many of us, we've lived with a pain for many, many years. When Pastor Phil was here, you may have seen the beautiful Elizabeth who was up here. I got to meet her afterwards. For 20 years, it lived with a pain. And one of the things they talked about is it was a distraction in hearing the message from God. Because God can be calling, but we are distracted 
by the shattered screen and so we can't receive the message. So what we do is we get so annoyed by it is that we just put the phone down and say they'll call back. I believe this morning that there are some here who need to go in and get a new phone, a new front of their phone. Because the front of it has been such a distraction to you for such a long time that you haven't worked out how to listen to God. I'm going to tell you the answer that I see to the greatest question ever asked. The greatest question ever asked is, what is my calling? I'm going to say that my answer is this, is to pursue the one who's been pursuing you. To pursue the one who has been pursuing you. So we're going to spend a few moments and worshipping now. I'm going to ask us just to remain seated where we are. But I want to encourage you. If you are struggling to hear the calling of God in your life or you feel you've never heard the call of God in your life or maybe you're here today for the first time and you still need to know about what this God is. I want to encourage you just as we sing this, there'll be some who will just take some time to pray but it may be for you that you want to make a step forward and come forward on the altar and just say, God, I'm tired of being distracted. I'm tired of being distracted. I'm tired of thinking I'm too young or too old to receive. I'm tired, to, I'm tired of feeling like I'm on the wrong wavelength. God, I just want to hear from you. The greatest question to what is my calling is to pursue the one who's been pursuing you. God has never left you, we leave Him. The Scriptures will tell us that. He said to Jeremiah, when Jeremiah said, I am too young, he said, I will stand beside you all the time. Thanks, Tom. I'm just going to read this verse out to you. If you want to come up for prayer, then we're going to have a pastoral care team here who will pray with you. I've said it and I will continue to say that the altar is not a place of condemnation or judgment. It is a place where you have a miracle moment with God. There is nobody sitting there thinking to myself, oh man, I didn't realise that dude was distracted. I thought that they had a clear connection between the server and the receiver. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Let me just close with this. And then I encourage you where you are, just as we sing, just come forward. And if you feel you want to get right with God, 
or maybe you've never received God into your life, then just come forward and we would love to pray with you. Let me close with this, church. God starts with His purpose. Then He chooses a person. And then He puts them through a process because it is in the process that refines the person to fulfill God's purpose. Thank you for listening. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3h.life.